What could be the final week of the 111th General Assembly in a conversation about race in the Tennessee legislature. Welcome to Grand Divisions. This is the week of June 15th. I'm Joel Ebert. And I'm Natalie Allison. All right, Natalie, uh, this is being recorded I'm, for listeners uh, on Friday, uh, June 12th. I'm going on furlough on uh, Monday, leaving you by your lonesome. All by myself. To hopefully cover what may be the last week of the 111th General Assembly, but we never know. You right? never know. <laughs> Who's to say? So last, uh, this past week, um, there were, you know, obviously a whole lot of bills that were considered in both the House and the Senate, but the main highlight, I would say, uh, at least from um, advancing priority issues would be the Senate's passage of a watered-down version of the state budget. Right. So the, the House is, is yet to pass a budget. Uh, the Senate, of course, passed its second of the year. Uh, they had passed this emergency one back in mid-March that, you know, they've said could suffice if it had to, but they've since come back, made some more changes. The House is still planning on doing a few more days of not quite sure what, um, taking up legislation most of which the Senate has said they are not planning on passing. Um, so the it sounds like the Senate's plan is to come back midweek and uh, the House at some point will pass a budget and they will get out of there. So, Joel, what are some of the, the main takeaways um, from the budget the Senate has passed that how that compares with what they previously passed? So it largely mirrors what the administration presented to the Senate uh, a few weeks ago now. Uh, that included uh, no pay raises for state employees and uh, teachers that the governor previously proposed in January. Uh, it includes $50 million for an employee buyout, state employee buyout program, uh, which the Senate added a little bit of language to uh, that sort of mirrors a program that was done in the Great Recession under uh, Governor uh, Bredesen's administration. Uh, there is also funding for... Um, uh, bond debt uh, for projects that have already sort of begun or in their initial phases, including um, uh, grants to Amazon and I believe VW. Um, there's a whole host of, of uh, you know, uh, programs that uh, were scuttled in this latest budget that the governor either scaled back in his March budget or uh, now has completely um, reduced or, or eliminated. Uh, at the same time, there are a few other uh, random things, including the fact that the Senate uh, decided it was not a good idea to give lawmakers their normal pay raises uh, in this period of time. So that means in the 112th General Assembly that comes in uh, after the November election, they will not be getting an increase in pay uh, from this current General Assembly. Huge bummer for career politicians there. Um, so Part-time, the, they would point out. Part-time. Yeah, for sure. There was also um, uh, a provision to incorporate a $200 million grant that would be split between uh, cities and counties across Tennessee. Previously, the governor mentioned uh, that he would like this money to go for uh, sort of things like infrastructure and other um, short-term, non-recurring uh, finances to help out cities. Uh, that was expanded in um, uh, March 
to increase it to $100 million for cities and $100 million for county governments. Uh, at the same time, there were purse strings that were sort of attached to it where you would have to submit a proposal to say what this money would be used for. Well, those are gone under the Senate's amended version of the budget. That means that um, uh, this money can be used freely and they won't have to ask the administration for any oversight in, 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 on the front end, uh, which would mean that if it gets used nefariously on the back end, the only way to really find out about it is through either reporting, whistleblowers, or a comptroller's audit. Yeah. And so that's um, a decision they made, I, I'm imagining, because there still is a big question mark around whether any of the Federal CARES Act money uh, can be used by these local governments or the state to backfill lost revenue. Um, we have repeatedly heard from the governor's office and the um, Financial Stimulus Accountability Group members that they're still unsure about how they can use that money with regard to uh, filling in revenue that was lost. That's right. And so Senator Bo Watson said that the reason they wanted to open this up and be able to use these, uh, you know, two hundred million dollars. Uh, and give no strings attached was because they're asking for the same leeway from the federal government for the CARES Act. Yeah. So, so yeah, Senate was uh, finalizing a budget or at least a, a first version of a final budget there. We'll see what happens with the House and negotiations. Um, at the same time, there was a lot of... Um, a lot of other tension at the legislature this week. We we saw a couple more like spontaneous or fairly last minute rallies held outside of the Capitol. Nothing huge, nothing like what we had seen before, uh, where a handful of Democrats and and those cases went down to to greet the protesters. Um, we saw Democrats in the in the House and Senate repeatedly call for. The bus to be the bus of Nathan Bedford Forrest to be removed. Um, that's something that they have been doing for years. And of course, this week uh, there were multiple attempts to do that. Um, and we, hours worth of consideration of bills yes. about that issue alone in the House. Yeah, the House naming and designating committee, which used to be you know not any huge deal. Um, it's it's gotten a lot of attention attention in the past. I guess this past session with uh, a few bills that were in there to to remove the bust and to remove Nathan Bedford Forest Day, uh, that meeting was three more hours long on whatever day this week they met. Last week they met, um, and there was there was a there was heated discussion. There was um, there was black lawmakers urging, pleading with their colleagues to to do something, to act, to, as Rick Staples said afterward, um, make some uncomfortable decisions, some decisions that maybe will get you some flack from the very conservative people in, in your districts, but that you're doing because you you care about your black colleagues and, and black people in Tennessee and, and their experience and um, what they have dealt with for decades and having to um, see and know that these Confederate symbols are on display in the Capitol um, so most, you know, most notably the bust of Nathan, Nathan Bedford Forrest. And then, of course, um, we've heard a lot the last year about Nathan Bedford Forrest Day, which is an official uh, day of observation here in Tennessee, that the, the legislature has now passed a bill to uh, no longer require the governor to proclaim, but it still is on the books as an official day of observation in Tennessee. And of course, all of that with the backdrop of what happened on uh, Monday, so a, a little bit more than a week ago, um, when basically in a um, random committee discussion, 
Uh, Chairman Mike Carter, uh, Republican from Ottawa, I believe is how you say it, um, made uh, what uh, was quickly seen as a racist comment. We'll play a clip of that comment here. Other questions, comments? Mr. Uh, Representative Towns? He's getting the secret formula to Kentucky Fried Chicken and pretty concentrated on that. Uh, Representative Beck, let's let him get the recipe and we'll come back to him. And so clearly um, Carter was asking uh, his colleague, Representative Joe Towns, who is a Memphis Democrat, uh, to speak into a mic. Uh, apparently Towns had been you know, asked to, uh, to have time to speak uh, on this and he didn't hear uh, Carter. So Carter makes these comments, and um, I had heard it live, and uh, it, it, you know, quickly seemed like something that I should tweet out. Um, after that, there was hours later uh, an uh, apology that Carter delivered on the floor of the House in a rare uh, move for a lawmaker to very quickly like that uh, recognize what he did was wrong and then uh, offer a teary-eyed um, you know, response and offer an apology to to both his legislative colleagues, but Towns specifically vowing uh, to have, I believe he said, uh, racial reconciliation. Yeah, and and we um, we want to hear from Joe Towns about what he said to you even after that apology was made. Here is a clip of uh, Towns on the balcony of the uh, Tennessee House of Representatives just after the apology that Carter gave. In this climate, you can't say it, but I'm not the kind of guy going to allow you to say that to me anyway, because historically, we know what those negative remarks mean. You have a climate where the president's saying all kinds of stuff. Right. That gives people the idea that they can say this stuff and create all this confrontation and corrosiveness that we have in the country. So it has to be dealt with at that time where it was, and then I wanted to make sure it was dealt with on the house floor. And the fact of it is, obviously, I don't like it, right. you know, but it reveals something that he's going to have to look at within himself. Okay. Now, you got young people, you got children, you got uh, the country is doing everything right now, but burning like it was in the 60s. In the 60s, this stuff was burning. Mm-hmm. And you had protests of 30,000 people in a couple of days ago, then you had one with about maybe three or 4,000 right down here on the step. Mm-hmm. And as a leader, you got to be sensitive to this stuff. Mm-hmm. You cannot kid. And I, you've ever seen me around there with these guys. I shut sure. up. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big river, okay? But you don't go beyond the pale when it comes to women, race, and that kind of, you can't do that. White men, white women, nobody can do that. You can't do that. I mean, do you think that, you've been around here a lot. 26 years, man. Do you think that it says something more about the culture here at the Capitol of how much needs to be done on the issue of race? That, you know, that's kind of a joke that, I mean, his effort is an attempt at a joke to say, I don't know what, but while reinforcing... It's, stereotypes, it's, right? It's, it's, it's absolutely re- reinforcing stereotypes. However, yes, it says unequivocally out of his own mouth that there has to be more done. Now, this is the question becomes that doesn't matter what you say here, it's what you're saying when you're not around. Right, is it lip service to just give you a public apology and move on? That's right. But Does he gonna, actually do something after We're going to make sure that it happens. But what I'm saying is when you're around your group, how do you conduct yourself? Mm-hmm. See, so if it's in your heart, it'll reveal itself later on. Right. Okay, if it's something that that's your character, it will reveal yourself. Then it makes people question, and when you're at that level, your decisions, how you vote as a judge, how you vote as a, uh, as a prosecutor, how do you 
conduct yourself as a elected official when you have that kind of power. And if you're swayed by those beliefs, okay, if those are your beliefs, it's going to taint your outcome, your actions when you're interacting with people. Mm-hmm. It can very possibly taint your actions, okay? Mm-hmm. This is the reason we have to watch this stuff and we have to deal with it and address it when we hear it. No exception. I don't care who it is. Nobody gets a pass. Nobody gets a pass, okay? Mm-hmm. Not when it comes to that, uh, that idiotic, ignorant race stuff over a period of time that's trying to propagate up again. This country been dealt with, people have been dealing with this stuff in this country over 400 plus years. And we're sick of it, okay? I'm not gonna do the watermelon jokes. I'm gonna do the damn fried chicken jokes. I don't play that shit. I really don't play that shit. So you can hear that, um, you know, despite the apology, he and and we've heard from other black legislators are are, are fed up. They feel, I think, from what they've said, um, that things that they're asking white colleagues to do to um, to understand where they're coming from uh, have fallen on deaf ears over and over, and they feel like um, others in the legislature just don't get it. Um, you know, there was another... There was that moment in, in the committee you were watching, Joel. Uh, there was another heated moment, a number of heated moments in the the naming and designating committee that we just referenced. But um, something that was, you know, fairly unexpected was at one point, Andy Holt was suggesting that a, a forest-related bill uh, be deferred in the committee until the Senate took action on it, um, which if you've been following any of this, there's uh, most of the bills that the House is, is working through right now, the Senate is not taking action on. They're, they're sticking to what they say are coronavirus-related bills, budget-related bills, um, and quote, time-sensitive bills. And so Andy Holt makes this motion to defer action until the Senate takes action, uh, which, you know, he hasn't done on any other legislation um, that the House is considering that the Senate has already said they won't. Um, And so one of the Democrats on the committee responds to him, you know, are you going to start making this motion to defer every other bill um, that comes through? that the Senate isn't going to take action on. And Larry Miller, he's um, he's one of the black lawmakers from Memphis. He is not on the committee, but he was sitting in the back of the committee room and he shouts from, from where the audience would sit, um, he won't, no, he won't, something like that, about, you know, of course, Andy Holt isn't going to make this motion on other bills. And John Mark Wendell, he's the chairman of this committee and he, um, you know, tells Larry Miller that he has to maintain decorum and he can't do that and... Larry Miller says, I know. And he gets up and just walks out. And as he's walking out, he mumbles bastard. Um, and so it's, that's the kind of thing you don't see every day in the committee. You don't see um, lawmakers, at least, you know, in a, in a official space like that, calling each other names or shouting um, across the room at one another. And so tensions were, were high this week. And we saw that repeatedly. Um, they're going to go home next week, presumably, or this week, as you hear this recording, presumably. And I, I don't know that much will will happen to um, appease some of these black legislators with what they want. But presumably they'll all return and, and the dynamics will be um, similar in January where these legislators are going to be calling for things to happen that uh, their colleagues have not seemed to be interested in doing. And and for those of you who don't know, who maybe listen or you know new listeners or new to Tennessee, 
there has been a long storied history of racially insensitive or ethnically insensitive comments that both Republicans and Democrats have made in the Tennessee legislature. A lot of times it's been Republicans in recent years and Democrats are quick to seize on them and and say, hey, you know, uh, that was racist. Ask for an apology or um, that was offensive. Ask for an apology. Generally speaking, they follow this sort of Carter path, right, where uh, a, a member sticks their foot in their mouth. They, uh, you know, apologize for it. And then everybody sort of moves on. The big question is, given the environment that we're in right now, where around the country and in legislatures and even in Congress, there are open discussions about changing uh, either policies, laws, procedures, etc. Um, will anything change in Tennessee? We have not seen thus far any open embrace by top leadership, be it uh, House Speaker Cameron Sexton, Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally, or Governor Bill Lee, to actually have more than conversations. Natalie, you spoke to all three last week, and, and that's pretty much what it sounded like they were okay with doing, is having conversations, but little more than that. Yeah, and we have a, we have a story out this week um, to that effect. Um I, I spoke with with Randy McNally, the lieutenant governor, with Cameron Sexton, the House Speaker. Uh, neither of them uh, seemed to believe that there was a, a racism problem at the legislature, which, you know, I guess that's no surprise. Uh, I don't think that their members would appreciate it if uh, the the speaker were calling them racist. So I, it, it's not really a surprise that they said that, I guess. Um, but yeah, there's there's no. There's no urgency um, to implement any kind of new sensitivity training. The lieutenant governor told me, uh, you know, maybe he would consider having the the three, um, they're all females, these black senators in his chamber talk to the rest of the, the Senate about their experience. And um, Sexton indicated that, oh, you know, there's always uh, room for more training, but really what was not interested in, in committing or even exploring the idea um, of specifically having some kind of cultural sensitivity training. And I think the the interesting point here is that you've got, again, um, lawmakers and others around the country who are trying to point out and say, hey, there are deep structured problems within, um, you know, the United States system of governance, policing, et cetera, that have put um, African-Americans and, and minorities at a disadvantage. That's a point that um, uh, Senator Brenda Gilmore really seized on in an interview I did with her recently where she said, while nobody's called her uh, a, a derogatory term, um, these policies, whether it may be, um, you know, trying to tamp down voter registration, uh, the maintenance of, of the bust at the Capitol, uh, the uh, a, a decision from years ago to adopt um, really confined drug zone laws uh, around schools, they disproportionately affect African-Americans. And she flat out told me uh, that that, in her mind, uh, those are racist policies, that they are, uh, while they're not saying a derogatory term directly to her, she equates those decisions and those policies to another version of racism. 
Uh, again, we are seeing a conversation that uh, around the country, some lawmakers, including in some Republican states, the governor of Texas has said that he liked to see some reform uh, to policing uh, in his state that hasn't gone on in Tennessee. So it will be interesting uh, to see what that tension uh, will be like in the next General Assembly, but certainly uh, in the final days of this legislative session. And with that, that's all the time we have for today on Grand Divisions. You can find us on iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We come out with, or we hope to come out with, uh, new podcasts on Tuesdays. Um, John Garcia and Erica Whitney uh, are the producers of this show. You can find us on Twitter at Grand Divisions 3. Uh, we're not sure what the status will be of our next episode. Natalie goes on uh, furlough for next week. I will be coming off of my furlough, so we're going to miss each other. So it, it, it's to be determined when we might have another podcast breaking down the final days of the legislative session. But as always, thanks for listening. I'm Joel Ebert. And I'm Natalie Allison. See you next time.